I want to begin by reminding you of a couple of things that are taking place at Rich Fork, one of which is just around the corner on September 25th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, if you want to come and be a part of a simulcast being hosted by Priscilla Schreier. Um, she is a teacher that teaches scripture uh, in a profound way to uh, groups of women throughout the United States and the world. Uh, we'll be hosting that. She won't be here in person, but we will be at one of the host sites for that on September 25th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So ladies, that is a $10 cost. You can register for that at richfork.com under the events section. Now, the other thing is not an announcement, but it is a thank you. Again, I want to thank you for your generosity in the ways that you serve our community, the way that you continue to give towards Rich Fork and the ministries here. And I want to share one of the ways that we've been able to impact uh, and to shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus over the last couple of weeks. Several weeks ago, we as, as we talked and prayed, we realized that one of our local schools, the beginning of the school year was just exceptionally difficult. We began to think about and reach out to that school and ask, how could we encourage them? And so uh, just a little over a week ago, uh, we were able to provide lunch and provide a gift of encouragement to 75 teachers. And all of that was possible because you continue to be generous. You are obedient in your generosity. And that equips us to be able to step into those difficult moments in our community when things are so heavy right now and to be able to offer some grace and some encouragement. So to that, I want to say thank you. Now, before we jump into a new series, let's pray together. God, I come to you today and I thank you for the opportunity for us to exercise generosity because our church has been generous those moments are possible uh, because lots of individuals have uh, just been faithful with what you've given them. Even in times where uh, things are tight and difficult, uh, this body of believers has amazed us. Uh, so God, thank you that we're able to be generous with how people are generous to this place. May we not only be generous with our resources, but with our hearts and our attitudes and our actions and may we, as we walk through this study that begins today, uh, truly consider how are we to live life in this difficult season and how are we to impact our community? And may our faith become much more than words. May it truly take action in and around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're going to be entering into the study of the book of James. Now, we're not going to get far into the book today. In fact, we are simply going to get to verse 1, where James, the author, he's going to introduce himself with the title. And we're going to see it's not the title that he could have claimed, but this title sets the tone for all of his instructions, for his guidance. And at times, the in-your-face, the extremely practical and difficult advice that he's going to give to us as followers of Jesus Christ that we're going to find in five brief chapters. James, our author, begins this, the book with a salutation. It's a greeting. It's an introduction, which is very common for the writers of that time period. And the author would uh, would use the opening and they would identify themselves. They would want to connect to their target audience. 
The titles used in letter openings would give credibility, it would create a connection, and it would set the stage for the impact of the letter. This is no different for James, the writer. Now, while there are numerous thoughts of who the author of the book of James is in Scripture, the overwhelming favorite, the leader, is being the author, is James, a leader and pastor of the church of Jerusalem, but also a younger brother of Jesus. He is considered to be of sound wisdom by Paul in Galatians. He references that. He played a very significant role in the early church of Jerusalem all throughout the book of Acts in numerous moments. But James, a brother of Jesus, a leader in the early church, those titles have a nice ring to them, don't they? Think about it with me. If you were writing a letter and you were the brother to Jesus, would that not be the way you would want to get the letter started? James, the brother, half-brother the, the, of the miracle-working Jesus. Talk about a way to get a letter started. That's the ultimate name drop where James could have had instant authority or credibility to his letter by dropping his family relationship to Jesus. But instead, the title and the wording he uses in his opening is full of humility, obedience, and loyalty. Let's look at it together. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Title, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Other translations record this opening uh, slightly different. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or the message interpretation says, I, James, am a slave of God and the master Jesus. James, in his own acknowledgement of being a servant of God, is not trying to impress the listeners with his title as a sibling of Jesus. He is acknowledging at least three things with his listeners, then, but also with us today. This title of being a servant of God declares absolute obedience as a servant of God or that word doulos, slave, bondservant, he doesn't have his own rights. He is to give unquestioned obedience to his master. He desires to write to his readers out of a stance of faithfully communicating and living out whatever God places in front of him. Absolute obedience, but also absolute humility. He is a man who has lost himself and placed himself under the service of God. And he's absolutely loyal. He's not working for his own gain. He's not considering his own desires. He is loyal to one. And as we read this letter, you realize his loyalty, his obedience, his humility drives his boldness. But not only a message of boldness to preach the message of Jesus, but to live out the teachings of Jesus. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there is something amazing about this wording as well. 
James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before James, the brother of Jesus, became the leader, the pastor of a church of Jerusalem, even before he sat in the room the day of the Holy Spirit falling upon the early church leaders in the book of Acts, before those moments, he doubted Jesus. He doubted him as the authority, the teacher, the miracle worker, or even as the Messiah. John 7, 5 tells us, for not even his brothers, James included, for not even his brothers believed in him. So unlike the other letters to the churches given to us in the New Testament, James makes sure to elevate Jesus to ensure that those reading do not mistake the power or the authority of Jesus, the risen Messiah, but also that James, previously one who struggled to believe, is now pouring into them with honesty, humility, obedience, and loyalty to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. James, a servant of God. If I were to ask you to take time, and maybe you want to, you can press pause as you watch this message, or if you're listening to it, a little bit harder to do if you're in person on a Sunday morning. But if I ask you to do that and answer this question, what would it sound like? If you were introducing yourself to someone new, what three titles would best describe you? Let me give you a few that might be common for many of us. Maybe your title is mom, dad, grandparent, business owner. Maybe your title from work, your official work title. Maybe your title would be retired, daughter or son, stepson, stepdaughter, in-law, outlaw, married, single, divorced, a gardener. Maybe you would give yourself as a title of a, a dog lover, or maybe there's a few of you out there that would proclaim to be a cat lover, or a car lover, or maybe you would take and you would insert your favorite team and say, fan of. Maybe others would call you, or you would call yourself a coach, a builder, a planner, an athlete, a musician, or a teacher. For me, it would be fairly simple. I would say dad, husband, pastor. Now, over the years, I've been called a lot of names. In fact, I kept a poster board that was given to me when I transitioned from student ministry to the role of pastor at Rich Fork. Now, many of these titles that are on this page are for fun. Now, my middle name, Dennison, is not for fun. It was given to me by my mom. But pastor, deacon, senior, mister, Melchizedek, that's a long explanation for another time. The big kahuna, reverend, doctor, or the rev, preacher man, and there's several others on this page. But a title tells someone who we are. Maybe even it tells how we spend our time or what our interests are, what our hobbies are, our allegiance, our family status, a lot can be revealed in a title. Maybe the true test of what titles you should include in your greeting are, or the descriptions of yourself should come from titles others might give about you. You see, titles can define us, they can unite us, but they can also separate us. 
They can put us accidentally or purposefully into groups or subgroups. Now, the titles I started with are, are pretty safe titles, right? But what about some of the titles that are prevalent in our world today? Republican, Democrat, vaccinated, unvaccinated, pro-mask, anti-mask. Now we all feel a little awkward, maybe a little tension. Now my purpose for putting those titles in front of you today is not to get you fired up, but it's allow, allowing us to be honest. That as a group of believers with the titles that have come to describe us, but also the titles that divide us. And in division, we become distracted from our calling, from our mission, from our, our life of action based on our faith in Jesus Christ and the calling of our mission as given by God's word. The past two months, the weariness of our battle against the pandemic, controversy in politics and division has given way to some hard conversations, probably for every single one of us. Not necessarily inside the walls of church, but certainly in your lives, in your workplaces, in your practices with your teams, your decisions that have been placed or forced upon many of you. And with some of those discussions, we've been tagged with titles. But make no mistake about it, we are title wearers. Now, why do I go into that great long discussion of our title of who we are and what titles are given to us and what we would proclaim? I'm praying, I'm hoping that as we learn from the book of James and as we continue to mature in our faith, that the titles that would be placed upon us as followers of Jesus from our community would be titles such as compassionate, committed to love and truth, generous, grace givers, Jesus followers. And maybe, just maybe, maybe someone would look upon us and if they were to write a letter about us, they would say, Rich Fork, a collection, a group of servants to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if our community, if they can define us as servants of God, then our mission to shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ is not only a statement on a sign, but it is a group of people who are actively emblazoned the hearts of grace and servanthood onto the hearts of our community. When we surrender as servants of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what we are projecting, what we are saying is we are trusting Him to supply all of our needs. We believe He will carry us through the most difficult of circumstances. We are clinging to God as our Creator and that God is the only one who gives us our identity our confidence, and our direction. We may be known by a lot of titles, but one title that we can all strive for, desire for others to call us a servant 
of God. Because that title unites. That title describes and leads us into action and it places us in a place to serve, to share the grace of Jesus Christ in and around this community. So James is setting the tone for this entire book with this title, but also to whom he is writing and it's important to us today. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. James was a Jewish Christian. He's writing this letter for it to be circulated to other Jewish Christians who had been scattered like seed. That's the word from which dispersion in verse 1 comes from. You see, as Rome and its Roman Empire began to take authority, it moved throughout the region of the world and it moved into the territories of the Jewish people. Many of them were forced to leave their homelands and search for peace in other regions of the world. Now, a quick history lesson. It was around this same time, the writing of this letter, that the Roman emperor Claudius persecuted the Jews in Rome and he drove them out of the city. Jewish businesses were boycotted. Children were mocked and removed from their schools. Then to add to the difficulty, if you were Jewish and you claimed Jesus as the Messiah, you were then abandoned by your own Jewish heritage people as well. The result, Jewish Christians were scattered like seed, as this word implies, throughout the region of the world. Trials were not optional. They were commonplace. These early Christians were clinging to their faith, but in doing so, they were becoming spiritual nomads, searching for their land, their home, their belonging, in order to live out their faith in Jesus Christ. The words of James are instructional. They're, they're not given to us when you read this book as a book such as Romans, which defines our theology, who we think and what we think about God, our doctrine. The book of James he assumes that the readers know who they are and know that they are followers and know why they believe. James is going to come alongside. He's going to remind this group that are embattled, weary, tested followers of Jesus that their faith produces fruit, that they must put their faith into action even in difficult times. James is not interested in hearing someone profess or confess their faith. Rather, he wants to see us practice our faith. Faith in action. Now, in no way am I comparing 2020-21 to the conditions and the persecution being faced by these Jewish Christians of 80, 45, or 50. But I do feel strongly that the very issues addressed in the book of James need to be given and reminded to us as followers of Jesus as refreshers in 2021 in light of the weight and the trials of the past 18 months on all of us. I once heard it said that when things get tough, when, when trials come, when tensions rise, when emotions spread across and enter into a time of fatigue and possibly anger or uneasiness. That it is in the most difficult of moments 
that in those moments, what is real, that what is true comes pouring out of our lives. James is not going to give us a pass on our temptations, our trials. He's not going to let us escape our words and how we use them or how partial we are to others. He is going to straight up challenge us to explore. When you're pressed, what's portrayed? When you're stressed, what do others see? Do others see you leaning, trusting in the Lord? Is anger the emotion or patience the one that spills out? When you're distraught, what's displayed? As you're reading through the book of James this week, think about those questions. Place those over the pages. The words from James, the man who says, guys, at the end of the day, I want to be a servant of God and I want my life to lead others closer to Jesus, not further away. Now I have one more way of asking that same question of when we're going through difficulties, what's inside comes out. Now this is not a polished preacher question, but it's the best that I could come up with. When our faith is being squeezed, what comes out of us? Obedience? Faith? Joy, compassion, kindness, goodness, or frustration, anger, impatience, and anything other than grace to impact our community. Every one of us in some way is being squeezed by the pressure and the questions and the fatigue, the divisions, the chaos, the sickness, of those around us. Followers of Jesus Christ, servants of God, we are being pressured, stressed, we feel distraught, and our impact and our ability to be called servants of God, our ability to shape by sharing is not based simply by claiming the truth of Jesus as our Savior, but living our lives in obedience, in loyalty, in humility, when we're being squeezed. So here's an overview of these five chapters and how James challenged those early Jewish Christians in their context, but also how it translates and is placed on us today. In James chapter 1, he's going to call us to be people of stability. When our faith is being stretched, squeezed, it doesn't break. Instead, it perseveres. Our faith grows deeper as we walk through trials that'll come upon us all. He's going to challenge us that temptations are not a vague, random set of circumstances. Rather, they are born out of our own struggles, specific to me and specific to you and to every individual. Chapters 2 through part of chapter 3 uh, this power-packed, action-oriented letter is going to challenge us on some of the most difficult situations we face in our daily lives. Prejudice and love for others. Others being the people who are not in your circle of life, but outside that realm, outside the comfort zone. As we enter chapter 3, James is going to address the powerful force known as our words, taming the tongue. We're going to skip that chapter. I'm just kidding. 
You see, then and now, when we are squeezed and pressured in our faith, where is one of the first places our faith leaps into action? Or maybe I should say, where is one of the first places when pressed into action that my flesh jumps out into action? It's my words. Shaping by sharing in our community, being servants of God can be quickly squelched in silence in seconds based on how we use our words and the emotions with which we communicate. That's just through part of the way through chapter three. And if that's not enough, he's going to peel back a few more layers of our faith and action, and he's going to explore our humility in our quarrels, our submission and our surrender to others for the cause and the message of Jesus. And just in case James has not touched upon you in any of these moments, surely he will grab your listening ear as he addresses our attachment to and passion to our possessions. And then he lands this short letter by exploring, well, if he hasn't got you yet, he gets us here. Patience. Patience as we wait on the Lord. Patience in this broken world. Patience in our suffering. Patience with those who have wronged us. Patience and persistence in our prayers. And even patience and grace towards those who've wandered away from their faith. Now you can see just from that quick overview that James is not going to leave any of us alone. He's not going to tiptoe us towards spiritual growth and maturity. Instead, he's going to do what you may have done to a child at some point in life. He's going to grab us by the face. He's going to stare into our eyes and he's going to speak into our hearts and he's going to say, listen, you're facing difficulties that you may not have expected. You may not enjoy these trials. You may have had a hard time loving someone from a different side of town, a a different party of politics, or with varying views on the issues of the day. You may not even know it, but you are showing partiality and favor. You're silencing the effectiveness of sharing the grace of Jesus because your words are blowing up relationships everywhere you turn. He still got us by the face. And he says, "You, you have too much faith in yourself and this broken, sinful world. You're being pressed you're being dispersed, your faith is being squeezed, and what pours out of your heart, your mouth, and your actions will produce, it will draw your community towards Jesus or it'll push them away. James is saying to these trial-stricken, dispersed, scattered seed people and to us, It's time to step into action because faith without works is dead. So the title servant of God cannot merely be proclaimed with our words. It must be modeled by our actions and our attitudes. And the moments that appear the most difficult, the most divisive, the most uncertain are the very moments that an action-packed faith can impact the community the most. Shaping by sharing is faith in action.
Let me pray for us and then give you a challenge for this upcoming week. God, we come today and with this quick overview, this quick dive into this short five-chapter, brief but powerful book of the Bible. A letter written by a guy who could have used a title or a phrase that would have name-dropped him into popularity, but instead he, out of humility, out of obedience, out of loyalty, just said, I'm James. I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. One who doubted now proclaims the authority of Jesus, not simply as man, but He is God. And out of that heart, He desires for others in the communities in which people live and breathe and act out their faith to come to know Christ. God, we may not leave the book of James uh, with a, a whole outline of our doctrinal beliefs, but we will live with an in-our-face, action-packed teaching towards maturity, towards growth, towards impacting our community. And may our title, not just displayed by us or proclaimed by us, but may our actions lead our community to look upon us and say, that person, that group of people, they're servants of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, use this book to convict me, to lead me, to put my faith into action to lead by example and help us all to do the same in the community that you've placed us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the challenge for you this week. In the past, when we explore a book of the Bible, we begin the first with the first couple of verses for the first week, kind of giving you a little bit to get you on board with us but not this time, this week. Now, whether you have one of these little ESV James journals that, that I'll be using and I begin to put my notes in, which are available if you call the church office, if you want to come by and pick one up, or, or if you're using your personal Bible or a Bible reading app, I want to challenge you for this week. I want to challenge you to read one chapter a day of the book of James. Monday, James 1. Tuesday, James 2. Wednesday, James 3. You're getting it. Thursday, James 4. Friday, James 5. I would even challenge you if you have the Version app or one of the other type of apps that have scripture that is spoken, take a short walk this week, sit down and listen to the book of James being read, either by chapter or if you do it all in one sitting. It takes 15 minutes and 30 seconds. I know because I've been doing that for a couple of weeks. Become acquainted with these words. Highlight words such as faith or wisdom, joy, trials, temptation, anger, or whatever word jumps out at you in your reading. Then next Sunday, 
we will outline our verses for the next few months. Yes, we will be in this five-chapter book of James for several months leading up to Thanksgiving. And in doing so, we are going to be preparing ourselves as individuals in our church to serve our community, to shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's put our faith into action. Let's grow in maturity and put our faith in action.